morning. So, um, oh, it's uh, it's up there. Living like Jesus. How you doing at that, by the way? I mean, think about that. How, how you doing? I suck at it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, I'm like, you know, uh, I don't do real good at this stuff. And I got to tell you, before I start, before I get into too much, uh, your pastor told me that I'm supposed to keep you here longer than I normally do. So uh, if you had plans of being out of here early, I'm just going to talk slower. No. Um, But this idea of living like Jesus, have you ever thought about what, uh, what that might even look like? Have you ever, I mean, think about it. For, for a moment of what does that actually look like, living like Jesus? I'm reading a book right now called, uh, written by Rebecca Lyons, and it's, it's about being free to be who you are. Isn't that great? You know, Jesus came to set the captives, what? Free. And who are the captives? Us. And what are we often held captive by? Fear, anxiety, other people's opinions. Jesus didn't live that way. Jesus lived free, totally free, right? And so I, I saw this book at a bookstore, Christian bookstore, and it was $20, and I'm going... I am not paying $20. And the Lord said, yes, you are. Because <laughs> stealing is not an option, Bernie, you know. So, uh, you know what I love about this clicker? The, the, the direction you have to go in is smudged off. It's used so much. But you know what? Think about it. What's really unique about it is it's, it's, it's used so much to go that way that the reverse isn't even used. And that's the way it ought to be in life, right? We ought to be going forward and not looking behind us. And how many times do we look behind us and look at the things we've done, the choices we've made, maybe something you did last night, and you go, what is wrong with me? And we need to just keep moving that button forward. So the question, one of the questions I want you to think about is what are you going to leave behind? Who you are and all that you are today, what is the impact that you are having if you were suddenly gone? What would be the impact? What would you have left behind? Oh, man, I'm glad they're gone. Right? I hope it wouldn't be that, but have you met people that you've gone, oh, they'll be better at work now. You see, if we're going to live like Jesus, I think this kind of a thought needs to be in our minds all the time so that whatever we're doing will have will be filtered through the idea of what is it that I want to leave if I were to go. Most of you use deodorant. 
True. That's true, right? I mean, I'm not going to have a show of hands for those that don't. I, I won't go there. But why do we want to do that? It's because what we want to leave behind is a good smell. Do you like sitting next to people with B.O.? Mm-mm. Not at all. I don't even like sitting next to myself when I have B.O. So, so the question then becomes, what will you leave behind? And your pastor told me you've been doing a thing on joy, right? So I got a verse on joy. And I like it because it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. My joy. Not John's joy, not Mary's joy, not Bill's joy, but the joy of Jesus. And yes, your joy, which is the joy of the Lord, will overflow. That's the kind of joy that Jesus is talking about. But here's the deal. If I'm living like Jesus, what joy... Can I come down here, by the way? Is that okay? Okay. Just don't tell me that. <laughs> you didn't hear that. John said, don't sit on his lap. Okay. I won't sit on your lap, John. But if I'm going to live like Jesus, then part of what I'm going to have is his joy coming out of my life. That would be the goal. That would be what I want to have happen. Why? Because... There's a part, and I hope it's a part of all of us, that we want to be a type of person that others can look at us and go, I want what you have. I want what you've got. And I believe that part of that is the joy of the Lord in us. (coughs) There's... In our lives, and this is for all of us, and it may be for some of you here, you are going through some really difficult, difficult things. But the point is, is that even the, the word says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And I can't help but think that even with what you might be going through or might have to go through, that if we could see the joy as the, that is the end product, that we would go through what we have to go through in a different way. Last January, I found out that I had an aortic aneurysm. And um, it was a big one. The only... You know, I'm like, yeah, I got something good. Well, it wasn't that good. And so in February, they cut me down through top to bottom and a few other places, and they repaired it. And, and you know, part of it is I've realized there's a side of life that a lot of people have experienced that I have never experienced before. I got to meet all kinds of people in, in the hospital in Pittsburgh that I would have never have met before. I got to share Jesus with people that that I would never have had the opportunity to. 
And so part of it, I remember the, the nurse practitioner who gave me the news about the aortic uh, aneurysm. She said, you know, forget exactly how she said it, it, but I think the way she said it was, do you know it's a God thing that you are actually here? Because I wasn't supposed to see her. I wasn't supposed to go to that office. But my physician wasn't available, and so they sent me to their other office in, in Punxsutawney, and I went and I had this nurse practitioner, and she was mean. <laughs> Any nurse practitioners in here? Yeah, she was like no nonsense in my face. And, um, and by the way, I didn't go in because I had an aneurysm. I was going in because I have asthma. And, and she could hear me. So I sounded like a freight train uh, down the hall, you know. And she came in. She goes, we're doing a CAT scan on you. And so that's how the aneurysm showed up. But what was my point? My point was, that when she said that, she said it was a God thing. I said, no kidding. Because I wasn't planning on coming here. And, and, and in that opportunity, open doors. Open doors of the sharing of the gospel. So if I go back to the question of what am I going to leave behind then the answer to that question will be determined how we live or how I live today and all of the days of our lives. It's not just one thing that I do. It's everything that I do. I told you that living for Jesus personally, I, don't, I, I stumble in that. I wish I could say that I do this so well, but I don't do this well. I don't. And one of the things that I'm learning as I've gotten older is that God still loves me. You know, I grew up in an environment that, that um, and I'll show you the, uh, the verse in a minute, but, but I grew up in a, an environment that I needed to walk right, talk right, dress right, right. Can't say that too many times. And if I didn't, then I was somehow unholy, somehow out of the will of God, somehow missing the mark. When we were coming up here, my wife said to me, she goes, now, Pastor Tim, what does he wear when he preaches up in Oil City? I said, well, probably just what I've got on. Really? The same Tim we're talking about, right? I said, yeah. She's never seen Tim without a tie and a jacket, probably. And we don't even go to his church. What's that, John? We've never seen him with a tie. But, I, but, you know, I've been in environments that if you were going to be a follower of Jesus, you needed to dress a certain way, walk a certain way. And if you didn't, there was something wrong with you. But I can tell you that Jesus didn't look a certain way. In fact, the religious people of the day didn't like him. They didn't care for his brand of 
religion. They didn't like the fact that he hung around with people that were not good people because they held such importance upon the outward. Remember, they took 12 commandments and made them into over 600 commandments, right? Why? I mean, because if you kept the commandments, if you did the commandments, then you were perfect. So, the problem, the problem is, is that we're not perfect. In fact, in 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16, he says, but now you must be holy in what? Everything you do. Everything. Everything. Holy. How's that working for you? You know, I mean, think about it. How many of you did something unholy this morning? I bet you we all could raise our hands. If not what you did, it's something you thought. A a thought comes into your mind. Yeah, hate them, don't you? It's like, where did that come from? And yet Peter is telling me that God says that you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. And here's the problem. One of the things that happens is when we start to compare ourselves with a holy God and we see ourselves as who we are, sometimes all that does is put guilt and shame on us. And and you know what? There's people around us that will help that. I mean, anywhere that anyone that wears shorts to church, Church. I mean, wear shorts, John. I actually thought about coming in shorts and preaching in shorts today. I've done that before, you know. I wear a kilt sometimes. I don't think I've ever worn a hill here. But but I do. I have a kilt. And I... I'm, why are you laughing at my kilt? I got four kilts. Do I? Or three? Three. I guess I have three kilts. And uh, I have nice legs. <laughs> Tim Connor, this is a sorry bunch you have here. <laughs> but seriously, think about this. I mean, Paul, Peter is saying, "Be holy as your as God is holy." And and what we tend to do is is that we tend to do things that will make us holy. We tend to, we come to church and, we're, and, and really that whole idea is, is almost nauseating in the sense that we're the church. It's not something we come to. It's something we are. When you leave here and go to Ponderosa or wherever you're going, you're the church. Don't be cheap. Oh, you know why I said that, right? Because some people, I don't know who they are, but they are cheap when it comes to the spending of God's money, like it was theirs, right? Anyway, that's another, another whole, whole message. So, so, so being holy, being holy, what does that look like? 
What ultimately does looking and being holy look like? Is it about how many times you come to an assembly like this? Is it about how many prayers you you say or how many journals you fill up or how long you spend reading the scriptures? I actually feel bad in in some ways. My wife gets up in the morning, usually not always before me, but she gets up, I, t- I get up, I get a cup of coffee, you know this. Right? I get the cup of coffee, I go out into my sunroom and I sit down and I go, oh. She gets her coffee and goes to her desk and reads the scripture and journals and, and I feel bad because she's doing that and I can't even get my eye open. And then I'll turn on soft, Anye, uh, you know, nice music, which would just lullaby me back to sleep. But it just, I love it. I just, you know, just, uh. it's called, I told my wife this one day, and I don't know where, what your thought is, but I said to her, she goes, what are you listening to? I, she said, I, I, I said, I'm listening to new age music. What? Because there was a day that New Age was like bad stuff. That term, New Age. Because New Age was beads and crystals and spiritualism. And I'm like, no, I'm listening to music. Anya and and those people, I don't know, piano and good stuff. It's not, it's, it's not headbanging music. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess that's okay. So that's what I listen to. I listen to New Age Radio or on Pandora. And I just love it. So how many are you Googling at right now? <laughs> but what, is, what does holiness look like? See, if I'm going to live like Jesus, Jesus was holy. But to the, to the Jews of the day, he didn't seem that holy. Why? Because he hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with Samaritan people. He hung out with women. And he was a man. And so he didn't do the things that the religious community thought he should be doing. So in Romans, the writer says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And then he says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love this verse. Why? Because it tells me what I need to be doing in order to live a holy life. It is not something I arrive at. It's something I work in. I practice. It's something that I am doing on a regular, daily basis. Why? Because you will never get to the place of perfection. Now I know 
You know people that think they are already there, right? Do you know there are groups and, and that, that used to believe, and I say used to because I don't follow this anymore, but there are Christian groups who believe that you can reach absolute holiness. And good luck. You know? I think just thinking that is a sign that you're something's off. But what the writer is saying, what the writer is saying is that, that we are to be present ourselves as a living sacrifice. King James says, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, how do we do that? We do that by changing the way we think. I, I, by the way, I, didn't, I wasn't born a Christian. You do know that, right? I mean, I, 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 I didn't know that because, you see, I was born in a, into a family that went to a particular type of church and we thought, and by my, the sheer baptism, I was in. I was a Christian because of something I had received, which was baptism. And, and we were taught... I'm not going to tell the group, but you'll, some of you will figure it out. I believe, and what we were taught was that grace came through the church and through the sacraments and through all of that stuff. And by the very nature of the doing, I then was in, I was holy, I was acceptable unto God. It wasn't until I was 33 that I found out that's not true. In fact, when I was 33, I had a conversation with God, and I said, God, I, can't, I have tried to keep your commandments, and I am a failure at that. And he said, no, duh. <laughs> if you could have done it, Jesus wouldn't have needed to have died. You need to allow him to do in and through you what you cannot do, which is everything. And so this verse became one of the very important verses in my life because it's about presenting yourself. God, here I am. Use me. I wrote a song in those days. Remember that, honey? Um, Use me, my Lord, for I am yours. I forget exactly how it went, but you don't want me to sing it anyway. Because then I'll have to borrow your guitar and, you know, we'd have a whole concert going on. And Jesus, my Savior, my life is yours. Use me. Yeah, that's what it was about. But that's a great thing to say. It's a great thing to say, here I am, Lord. <laughs> but the reality is, is that, it's, I, you know, my life is like Peter. I'm good one moment, and the next moment I, am, uh, I fall flat on my face. And I said, God, I did it. I blew it again. You know, I denied you, or I did this, or I did that. He goes, I know, I know. Get back up. Go feed my sheep. All right, Lord. So, so changing the way I think in part, for me anyway, is the thinking is that I can be perfect. The thinking is that, that I have to come to the understanding and the realization that I need him in my life every day. If I'm going to have the joy of the Lord, it's not something I receive. It's something I walk in in the moment. And I can lose it the next moment. 
you probably wouldn't know this about me, but my wife does. I am a little OCD. And it's a pain. I, I put in a... Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we have uh, our... One of our granddaughters is getting married next Saturday. And so we have family coming to the house. And I didn't have a fan in the bathroom. And you don't know some of my family. <laughs> and so yesterday... I put a fan in the bathroom. Took out the light, put in a new light, new fan, ran the duct work out through the attic. It's hot in the attic, right? And, and I said to my wife last night, I said, uh, did you think it was going to take me as long as it was going to take me? And she goes, I had no idea it was going to take that long. Yeah. But you see... Part of the reason it takes me that long is because I'm a little OCD about how I do things. And, I mean, she was like, just leave it. It's fine. It's not fine. It's, I, can't, I can't be in the bathroom and look at it the way it is. I've got to fix it. I've got to put the molding around it. I've got to go to Lowe's again. And what is happening is, is that I, in, the, in the process of all of this, I'm losing my joy. Right? Because I got these things to do. When I mow the lawn, I put the bagger on because I don't want to see grass that's been cut and turning brown. I like it trimmed certain ways. And, and the writer here is saying, change the way you think. <laughs> God, you don't know what this is like changing the way I think. Why can't everyone be like me? <laughs> so in the Message Bible, this is how these same verses read. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Did you hear that? Take everything you do. All of the stuff that you're doing, all of your falling down, your getting up, whatever is happening, take it and make it as an offering. Turn it back to God. Give it to God. Let everything that you do become an offering for God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Now, if you're going to fix your attention on God, you've got to take it off of what? You. Or things. And I don't know about you, but doing this all the time, practicing this on a daily basis, is a practice. It is something that you have to routinely choose to do. Why? I've got, I drive a Kia Soul. It's a Kia Black Soul. I have a black soul. <laughs> now, this is about my personality, okay? Now, I drive a black soul, I, I drive a Kia and, and, and it's a five-speed. 
What does the horn sound like in a Kia? Me. Me. Not mine. I got an air horn in mine. You know why I got it on there? So I can make people jump, get out of my way. And the problem is, is when I am trying to live my life the way God has called me to live, I struggle because I have a nature that likes to get people, you know, or, or I yell at the pe- There was a person behind me, and I'm like, what? You want to see if there's bugs on my license plate back there or something? What is wrong with you? I love this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. I'm trying not to fit into it, Lord, but these people are driving me crazy. (laughs) You understand what I mean, though, don't you? I mean, don't we all struggle with this? I don't want to fit into the culture, but yet I'm struggling because of who I am and all that I've been. And, 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 And so how do I not do this? Well, I get, I have to see, I get changed from the inside out. I can't change an outward behavior if I haven't worked on the inner cause. And that's why it's so important to look at ourselves inwardly, to look at what is the thing that's motivating me and pushing me to this behavior. I I read somewhere, someone said to me once, you cannot, you cannot expect that you are going to solve the spider problem by taking down the spider webs. You've got to go kill the spider. You can't expect the webs that you are producing in your life to be taken care of if you don't find out where the spider is hiding and deal with that. Does that make sense? You can't have joy if the spider is ripping it out of your life. And you are only superficially trying to change it and never getting to the root issue. That's one of the things that I'm liking about this book, about being free to be who you are. One of the questions it says, when did you lose your freedom? And I can pinpoint two things in my life, one when I was three years old and one when I was six, that that are etched into my head and have been since they happened. One of the things that I know that I learned as a very young child was how to be what other people wanted me to be. I've jokingly said that the world is my stage and I am an actor in the sta- on the stage performing for whomever and whatever the situation is. Why? Because it, it was safety for me. But as much as that was used for my safety and and good health, mental health, it also became a place to hide. And And so I've had to learn about identifying why I do what I do, what is the root cause, so that I can then work at that. And by little, by little, by little, I can change. But you know what? My old nature is still there. So Paul talks about. Paul says, the very things I desire to do, I don't do. The very things I desire not to do, I do do. How many of us do that on a daily basis? All of us. Why? Oh, wretched man that I am. Because we're sinners. And it's, and, it's, and it's not a bad thing. It is the reality of life. And God says, don't be upset about where you're at. 
have joy into where I'm taking you. You see, again, unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. And that's what you have to allow to happen. God, use me. Help me. Show me what I need to do. Show me the changes that you want me to make. Do you know what my biggest issue is? And my wife, I hope, doesn't hear this. Pride. Pride. You know why I wear a shirt out like this? Because it hides the, the rest of it. We're prideful people. We all are. At least I am. And I, and I, and I struggle. I struggle with this. But, but being transformed. How am I doing on time, by the way? I heard that. I like that. That was good. That was up there. No. But seriously, if the question ultimately, the question ultimately relates to how well I'm doing this would be to determine what I'm leaving behind. I probably have shared this before. I know I share it a lot. But from a time, I don't know how old I was when I developed this thinking, but I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. There's there's two, (laughs) there were two characters that I emulated, I wanted to emulate. One was the Lone Ranger, and the other was Peter Pan. Girls, are you laughing at me? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, Peter Pan, Peter Pan, what was the theme song? I won't grow up, I won't grow up, I will never be afraid. That's what I wanted. Because as a child, as a child, I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear gripped my life. But what I loved about the Lone Ranger was, was the fact that no one knew his name. And he would come into town and he would change. He would cause something to be different. And the people, he would ride off into the sunset. And people said, who was that masked man? I don't know, but we were changed because of him. And somewhere along the line, that's my goal in life. To impact change in other people's. I don't care if they don't know me. It's not knowing me is important. It's knowing Jesus as a result of it. And that should be what we're leaving behind. What we're leaving behind is not a foul stench, but a sweet aroma of Christ himself. And so we have to ask that question. And, and, and the answer to that is really in this, is so here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday ordinary life and live for me. That's what ultimately what he's saying. Everything that you're doing, whether you're teaching, whether you're working in a factory, whether you're going to school, whatever you're doing, give it to me as an offering. Everything. Not just some of the things, not just your Sunday time, but everything. I had a pastor say to me once, he's, I was going to be preaching in his church, and I said, what, do you, what would you like me to 
to do? Is there something specific you want me to touch on? Yes. He said, I've got people in my church. They're wonderful. They're there, faithful. They're great. But you know they are some of the meanest people in town. No, seriously, think about this. They were nasty to clerks in the store. They were nasty to neighbors. They were, they were just not the kind of people you wanted to be around. But in, on Sundays, they were smiling and sweet and wonderful. And there was not, there was, there was, there was not congruency in their, in their life on Monday and their life on Sunday. And what, what Paul is saying, what the writer here is saying is, everything that you do, make it congruent with your relationship with Jesus. Everything, everything that you do, you're walking, you're going to work, you're sitting down watching TV, everything, make it as an offering to the Lord. And that's ultimately what we have to do, is that we have to look at what we're doing. It's about how you live today. It's about how you are when you go out to eat, when you go to work, when you're shopping, you're camping, whatever you're doing. Make it as an offering. I... I'm laughing. I'm sorry. You're not in my head. You have no idea what I'm laughing about. And I'm in church. I probably can't say it. But I, I'll try. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a state police chaplain. And uh, I think I've shared that before. And I was, in, uh, I was in a state police station one day. One of the guys was talking. It was during muzzle, muzzle loading season, deer season. And he's talking about the deer that he missed. But he's got this four-letter adjective that he's using about the gun and about the deer and, and everything. You know, that four-letter word kept popping up and popping up and popping up. And I said to him, his last name is Faith. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's funny. So, I, you know, he's, he's going on. I said, Faith, yeah, wait a minute. I said, I, I know what your problem is. What's that, chap? I said, it's the kind of gun you're using. What do you mean? I said, well, you're using one of those, and I use the word, guns. You need to get a blessed gun to shoot the blessed deer, and you'll have better luck. You see, the problem is, Faith, is that what you're doing is you're cursing your gun. You're cursing the hunt. You're cursing everything. You're putting a curse on it. And what I'm saying to you is change it. And make it a blessing. God will bless what is blessed, but He will not bless what you curse. A simple Bible lesson in the moment, in the, in the, in the patrol room. Simple. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're coming, you're going, you're eating out, you're going to work life, and make it as an offering. You see... It's ultimately what you say, it's what you don't say. It's your attitude, it's your mannerism, it's your posture, it's everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just have these thoughts that come into my head. Squirrel! <laughs> Anybody have squirrels? <clears throat> All right. We're going we're to have a whole good time with our squirrels, aren't we? How many have flying squirrels? I have those too. I mean, those are like, zoom. 
In fact, they come and go so often in my head sometimes that I can't, I, one goes and I forget what the other one just said, you know. I, I hate it when someone goes, I know exactly what you're thinking. I know that look. I know that look. But look, I don't even know you. How do you, what do you mean you already know what I'm thinking? Why do we do that? Well, we do that because our experience has said that look means something. Now, in my family, the look, my kids will tell you what the look is, <laughs> right? Oh, dad's got the, don't, that eye. No, dad, don't look at me like that because I know what that's a disapproving eye, you know. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because part of our dealing with the old nature is to look at ourselves and the things we react and respond to and say, is this true? Is this based on truth? Or is this based on my projection of truth? Because sometimes what we project out as if we're receiving it from someone is actually our stuff. It's our stuff. You see, it's everything we do. It's sun up to sundown. It's everything. It's all of it. If you want the joy of the Lord in your life, then like Jesus, you're going to have to live. Jesus had the joy in his life because he had a relationship with the Father. Jesus said, everything I do, I see the Father do. Therefore, I do it. Jesus spent time with the Father. And what does time look like? I think sometimes time looks like listening to New Age music. Seriously. I don't think it's about just sitting down and reading the scriptures. I believe in doing that. I don't believe this just about journaling, although I believe in that. This book that I mentioned, I've, I've shared with a couple pastors, and two of them have finished it. I'm still on the third chapter. And, and one of the guys sent me a note the other day, and he said, how are you coming with the book? I said, slowly, because I'm, there's questions, and I'm, I'm writing pages of, of journaling stuff as I'm answering the questions. Look, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So here's the question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well are you doing? How well are you doing? If 10 is, I am well at this. I'm doing really, really good. Or, <laughs> no, man, I'm, I don't even know if I make a 1. I'm, I don't even know if I get that high. So figure that out. Sit there and, okay, Lord, where am I on this scale? Of one to ten, on one to ten, how, how well am I am I living like Jesus? How well am I doing? You see, that's really really important to know that because, well, because if you can't do that, then you won't be able to do this one. What's one thing you could do differently to improve your score? See, part of this is about taking your own inventory and looking at yourself, not looking at your spouse or your friend or the person behind you or in front of you. Look at yourself. 
This is, listen, I can, I can tell you what my wife needs. Does anybody want to know? Don't worry, honey, I'll tell you on the way home. <laughs> but I'm not asking you to take a lot of things. I'm saying take one thing. One thing. Maybe it's patience. I'm not very patient. Maybe it's tolerance, being tolerant of the other people. Maybe it's critical. You've got a critical spirit. Maybe it's a thing that you are great at taking care of others and you're not too good at taking care of yourself. You know, moms are that way sometimes. Moms are real good at taking care of the kids. Really bad at taking care of themselves. I can only talk about my wife. I've only had one. Praise God. But you know, my wife has gotten better at this, but she used to go to the store and she'd pick up clothes for the grandchildren, clothes for her children, and she wouldn't buy anything for herself. And then a few years ago, I started giving her, you know, I wouldn't buy things for her for Christmas. Do I hear an amen? No. Um, I started giving her cash or gift or visa cards. And, and I said, you can't spend this on, except on yourself. And invariably, she will be spending that Christmas money the following Thanksgiving because she still hasn't spent it, right? Yeah, how much do you have right now of that? Not much. It's getting better. She doesn't, I, and she doesn't spend it on me. So, so what's one thing you could do differently to improve that score? And here's the last part of that. When are you going to start? Oh, <laughs> I didn't change that. When are you going to start? When are you going to start? You see, the problem is a goal without a plan is just a dream. If you don't have a plan, then it's just a dream. Nothing's going to change. Your pastor and I lived in the same community, a place called Treasure Lake. Lovely community. We actually, we just moved in December. <laughs> the way I got my wife to move, Christmas Day I took the bed out and brought it to the new house. She came with it. <laughs> she said, I guess we're moving. I said, we're moving. Now it turned out, I didn't know what was going on health-wise, so it turned out to be quite well. But my point is, is that Pastor Tim and I lived in the same community. It's a a gated community. It's a POA. And one of my first questions to them when I moved there six years previously was, what is your plan? What is your plan for making this the best place to live in the whole region? What is your long-range projected, all that stuff? And guess what? They don't have one. They still don't have one. If you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. And I don't care how old you are or how young you are, having a plan and having goals is extremely beneficial. I have goals. I am not 
you know, I'm retired, but I am not done. And I have a number of goals. In fact, one of the things that my wife is, is working on me to do is that she has been watching RVing, living on the road. Now, my RV is a van. You know how long that's going to last, the two of us in a van? We've done it for a couple of days. But here's my thinking with that. Lord, number one, if you want us to do this, then how do you want us to do this? And number two, where do you want us to go? Because it's not just about going somewhere, it's about going there for Him. Make your everyday, ordinary life, your coming, your going, and make it as an offering to God. How many of you are going out to eat today? Don't show me. I'm not, I don't want to follow you. But the point is, wherever you're going today, make it as an offering to God, because you think you're going in to eat. God may have something else for you. You may think you're going to Walmart. Is there a Walmart? There is one here, right? Up in Cranberry, someplace. You, you may think you're going into Walmart to pick up dinner. God may have you in there on, an, on a mission. And that's the point. Take your everyday ordinary life and use it as an offering unto God. So the question that becomes, living for Jesus, what does that look like for you? How well are you doing that? Is there something that you can change to make that a little bit better? Remember, it is not the end. It is the journey. It is not something you achieve. It's something you practice. When are you going to start? Let's pray. Father, (coughs) you have called us, Father, to be your people. You have called us to live in a manner that that shares the gospel just by our lives, just by our conversation, just by our actions and our, our our, our attitudes, all of it. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to live this life in a manner that that draws others to see Jesus. Let us live a life that reflects Him more than it reflects us. In Jesus' name, amen.